Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Kevin Mostensade. And I'm Justin Robertson. Tonight, we are welcoming two dynamic individuals as our guest. Greg Chaffin is a professional school counselor, department head, and Gay and Straight Alliance, sponsored for Bloomington High School North. Greg will be discussing the progress transgender students have made within the school system and how far we still have to go. Our featured guest is Jesse Elkins from IU Health, Bloomington Hospital, positive link, but first, we're going to talk about a headline from this week. Uh, former First Lady Barbara Bush has died on Tuesday, April 17th at the age of 92 years old. And she is remembered by some in the lesbian and gay community as outspoken and sympathetic to the LGBTQ community. The Bushes only stayed in the White House for one term after Bill Clinton defeated George Sr. to win the election in 1992. During that campaign, Bush made waves once again when she spoke out about abortion and gay rights, saying that she didn't believe they should be part of a political campaign. What she said was, the personal things should be left out of, in my opinion, platforms and conversations. As one can imagine, this shook Republicans at the time. Barbara Bush's death is a reminder that the Republican Party once had a more socially liberal side. Even though her husband extended Ronald Reagan's legacy of cultural conservatism, there were signs that Barbara was sometimes a dissenter. The most famous instance came in 1990, when then PFLAG President Paulette Goodman sent First Lady Barbara Bush a request for a letter of support. Whether Goodman seriously expected a reply is not known, but amazingly enough, Barbara Bush sent a personal response, in which she wrote, I firmly believe that we cannot tolerate discrimination against any individuals or groups in our country. Such treatment always brings with it pain and perpetuates intolerance. This statement found its way to the Associated Press, which published it. The right wing predictably blew a gasket as the statement confirmed its fears that President Bush was never a true believer in their ideals. Of course, there was reason to believe that beyond the PFLAG statement, the Bushes were supporters of Planned Parenthood before they made a sharp right turn to join the Reagan White House. And the Bushes were official witnesses at a same-sex wedding in 2013, at a time when the Republican Party was fighting tooth and nail to prevent marriage equality from becoming legal. Wow, did you know all that? No, I, I actually didn't. I didn't have really any clue <coughs> about that. I knew about um, Barbara Bush Jr., um, supported gay marriage and did a video about that, but I didn't know that about um, her grandmother at all. In fact, I always thought that she was quite conservative. Yeah, <laughs> and I think she's still kind of conservative, or right. was kind of conservative. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, at the time that all this happened, and, you know, we're talking about the 80s and 90s when mm -hmm. 
um, to hear, especially from the the right, you know, somebody actually standing up and speaking and speaking out. So um, I think that's something a lot of the GBLTQ plus community doesn't know about her. Right. And, you know, so it's a time, I think, for us to reflect is like we've gone a long ways. You know, this is something that um, people didn't talk about. No, you didn't talk yeah. about. I mean, and I do remember at the time she was photographed, whole, photographed holding um, – Babies that had AIDS, right? And that was at a time when you know people were afraid that even if you touched somebody that had AIDS or got breathed on by somebody that had AIDS, that you would die. And so she was um, sort of a champion there. Yeah, totally a champion yeah. on that side. And I think you know it's uh, you know when you think about her husband and her son <laughs> and the general yeah. family, we have a, a whole other impression impression of what what that's about. And I think that um, you know, and and, and it's kind of I think as the GBLT community, I think. And she did. She was a family, you know, when she, she left, she she did out, reached out and she did her thing. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's important for the history of the GBLT community to understand that, you know, even on that side, you know, somebody that Barbara would, you know, stand up and, and she got a lot of heat for this. I mean, you know, the Republican um, fan clubs, <laughs> they weren't too excited about, mm-hmm. you know, having her speak out about that. Well, she's the type of conservative that we definitely miss today on that side of the aisle because she was someone Absolutely. who understood that, you know, the party of family values, you always hear them talk about mm-hmm. family values. And she was someone who understood that family values, the love and the respect and the uh, unconditional support that everyone wants out of a family can come in many different forms and that that doesn't matter. So one of the things that I kept seeing over and over again was that she was a family values advocate. That was what everyone was preaching about. And so originally when when she first passed away and I was looking at all these headlines, I wasn't even aware about her advocacy that she had done um, and the stances that she had taken. Um, And really just reading those headlines and and I had my own interpretation of who she was and what that meant. Um, And then digging deeper into it was really about she cared about the values, not about what the family actually looked like. Right. And and then I think that the the P flag letter letter Mm -hmm. that she had wrote, you know, I think that was shocking. I mean, I saw that come up and I was like, wow. I had no idea that she ever did that. Right. And answered back. And again, you know, you don't see a lot about it. I mean, why would you maybe? (laughs) Well, I'm sure that there's one camp that wants to keep it a secret. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, as a community, I don't think that we're really that open to the conservatives either with good reason a lot of times (laughs) I have to say Um, but you know sometimes somebody like Barbara Bush will surprise you right and uh, her granddaughter certainly and she was a big old queen she could really throw some shade yes (laughs) and that was one thing that I did like about her and uh, I think Frankie we were talking about what she had said about Sarah Palin when she was asked what she thought about her I really liked that she was like well um I think she's pretty, and I think that she really loves Alaska, and I hope she stays there. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Right. Yeah. No, she she did. She did it like a lady. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when she made her little, you know, presentations or her quotes and stuff, it was, you know. Well, she was honest. She, was, she, t- she told it the way it was, and she yes. didn't she and did then, not care how that came across. Right. <laughs> she was going to tell you what she thought. And that's what the, the family always said about her, that, yeah. you know, she was, you know, who they, they came to, to talk to and I think you know um, was it Laura Bush was talking about I guess their first interview together um, and how Barbara was pretty much you know kind of the the bulldog in the sense of protecting her from not mm-hmm. making mistakes she said I'll take the heat <laughs> Let <laughs> oh, me take she? The heat. and I think she did that for a lot of the family huh. at times but I think they also you know she called them out mm-hmm. when they needed to be and you know I, I miss not having a first lady 
like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> do we have a first lady? <laughs> I think it's oh, a, what, a Barbie doll. I feel or? sorry for her, actually. Do you really? I do. I what don't. do you feel sorry for? <laughs> yeah, what do you well, feel? Yes. I mean, I guess we all make our decisions, but she has to be uh, married to that. But she, that's her decision. Mm-hmm. But she seems like she hides away. I don't know. This yeah, is of course. Whole... Would you not hide right, away? Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I... I mean, no. She made a deal with the devil, and now she's paying the price. So I don't. I mean, I you know care about human beings, but I think there's choices that we make, and then we have to kind of deal with the choices we make, and you know, and that's and she's got you know the the orange. Uh, what do they call them? The Frito? The Rito? <laughs> <laughs> I could not imagine. I mean, I can't imagine anything passing no. the bedroom door. Let's not right? think about it. Let's not. Let's not. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want us to bypass Barbara Bush completely. I didn't come prepared to speak about Barbara Bush, but I will say, um, I will say just to take a, a sort of devil's advocate point of view. Okay. Um, but, you know, of course, I was brought up never speak ill of the dead, so I have right. to be very careful okay. here. But I, I do have to say that she was, even within her own family, she was called the enforcer. And she was the matriarch of that family by far. We talk about how strong right. she was. And I'm sure she actually probably impacted policy. And when you think of the sons she raised who actually were decision makers, they did not make a lot of good decisions for the LGBTQ community so mm-hmm. i think we have to remember that it's so easy to you know especially when somebody passes we do want to be polite but we have to always make sure history is accurate mm-hmm. and i think that she is culpable you know in a lot of uh, the actions of her children and by the way that george bush i think administration really set up what we finally had to face right now the trump administration in lots of ways right so um you know they weren't true friends of the lgbtq community i think though there is some credence to the fact that certainly the previous Republican Party had much more, you know, there were more right. middle ground, there were more grays, you know, some policies were not, you know, certainly directed at social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I respect that from that older party, and we're seeing a very big difference now. But I think, you know, when we look at Barbara Bush, she was part of a, a clan, basically, that did set us up for some pretty difficult times as LGBT community. community. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. All right. I would agree. <laughs> We're going to take a few minutes to enjoy some music. This song is by Dog Days. This song is called Dog Days by Strawberry Runners from their album In the Garden in the Night.
Support for WFHB comes from Limestone Post, an independent online magazine covering Bloomington and the surrounding areas, in-depth stories about the arts, environment, social issues, and more. You can discover Limestone Post articles and learn more about the upcoming print edition, a commemorative art magazine dedicated to local history and a sense of place, at limestonepost.com. Writers with a voice, photographers with a vision. Now back to Blooming Out. Welcome back to Blooming Out. You have been listening to I'm sorry, (laughs) Day Dogs um, by Strawberry Runners. I think I totally messed that all up. (laughs) Welcome to my show. (laughs) That's all right, Frankie. We love you anyway. Um, Blooming Out would like to welcome Greg. Hi, Greg. Hey, thanks for inviting me. I'm doing great. Thanks. Wonderful. Thank you for being with us today. Glad Um, to be here. You always bring an insightful point of view. Um, Thank you. So we would like to talk about your work with transgender youth in sure. the public schools. So are you, you're working at Bloomington High School North? Correct. Right now? Yep, that's okay. right. Are there other schools that you work in? Uh, no, that is it. I'm a school counselor there. have been there 18 years. Wow. Um, wow. And just to correct a quick thing, Frankie, I think you said earlier I'm the department chair there, and I was the department chair. Okay. I stepped down from that position partially because at the time that I stepped down, although we did some great things right, while I was department right. chair, uh, was because it took me out of the line of fire right. for really fighting for some of the yeah. LGBT stuff. Right yeah. So yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah. Great. So, so you it gave me a lot, of, a lot more sort of ability to fight the fight right. without that position being used right. to control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So tell us a little bit about um, sure. kind of what's going over. Sure, sure. So uh, a little history. I don't, I don't know uh, if our listeners uh, have, uh, I'm sure many know the history, but, um, you know, like let's say 2014 or so, Department of Education really started using Title IX uh, for uh, trying to develop uh, transgender student rights within the school system, within public schools, that is. And as you probably know, Title IX, of course, has to do with uh, discrimination based on sex. Um, traditionally, it's been used um, for uh, protecting young women within school uh, corporation. Um, but um, as as the depart as more transgender students came out and more lawsuits were going forward and so forth within schools about lack of protection uh, for their gender identity. Um, the Department of Education started to evolve and, and started to look at that and provide guidelines to schools about what they should do. Now, that there weren't really strong legal um, pillars put into place for that, but 
what really started making things move was in 2016, the Obama administration weighed in and gave some really strong guidelines. Um, and the Justice Department said, this is what we think sh schools should be doing. They were in the process of really putting in place some legal um, standards for that. And then in 2017, Trump overturned completely Obama's uh, directives on that. But here's what happened. Because schools started the process of okay. implementing things like um, making sure that we put the students' preferred names on official documents, not on legal documents, but official documents like diplomas. We made sure there were restrooms available that were gender um, non-specific restrooms and or what we what we preferred to do is if a student uh, who let's say uh, was male to female wanted to use the women's restroom they would be provided that opportunity uh, PE field trips all of those things covered respecting the students gender identity that started in 2016 so when you have a community like Bloomington let's say where you have non-discrimination policy, um, then you have a situation where we are continuing in that mode that we started in 2016, 2015. Okay, so it's just a couple years. This has yeah, been... not really a long time, actually. Okay. Um, you know, there were discussions as, because the Department of Ed's mm -hmm. directives in about 2014, 2015, there were discussions within schools about how we could protect students, but when you don't have the law behind you, mm -hmm. um, that can be difficult. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you have uh, a transgender student who's um, you know, female to male or male to female, right. whatever, uh, going into the restroom of their gender identity, which is what schools want to do, who want to protect these students, you might have parents calling in and saying, hey, why are you letting the student go into that restroom? Okay. So there's where you need the legal impetus to uh -huh. say, this is what we're doing and this is why we're Did doing it. Did you have it. much push pushback um, from the community or students? We, we, uh, we do. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we have much less than communities around us uh, might have, uh, and we probably follow the uh, Obama directives much more than they do because of our uh, cities and uh, policy on non-discrimination. So we have a foundation uh, from which to work, and as long as you have administration uh, that um, buys in and they're supportive and they understand uh, the harm directed at uh, transgender students, by the way, half uh, of which, 50% uh, of which attempt suicide by the time they're 20. Yes. Um, so when you give data like that out there and the risk factors that these students are under, and you have advocates within the schools, which is critical, teachers, counselors, an administrator, even if you have one who's willing to stand up with these students, you can get a lot done. Um, and parents, of course. If we have parents who advocate for their transgender students, like that's that's really solid. Right. So we've had a lot of pushback. We've had so you have everything from transgender students who are very out. They're supported at home. They're supported at the school. So they're out in all areas of their lives. And so um, there's a way we work with those students. It's very easy to work with those students and be um, proactive with those students and be there to protect them all along the way. Um, and then we have students who are out at school but not out at home. That creates some interesting factors in communicating with parents, of course, confidentiality at school. Um, we have students who are out at home but their parents are not accepting. That's a whole different situation in and of itself. So they're out at home, they're out of school, but their parents aren't accepting. I'll give you a story, for instance. We had a student last year who is a band member who's female to male uh, identity transgender um, who wanted to buy a male band uniform. And um, the parents said, absolutely not. And the school said, absolutely we will support them to do that so right. we actually took a position against wow. the parents because we could prove that uh, for the mental health emotional health uh, physical well-being of the student we would we will protect and support their gender identity so that's just one case in point we have lots of them we just went through it. our school just went through 
very interesting issue where uh, two of our students in orchestra went on a field trip and they wanted to, um, obviously identifying as female to male transgender, they wanted to either room with boys or have separate rooms or whatever. That was an interesting controversy mm-hmm. just because we've had the transition of a new administration right. at that school who didn't understand these policies and so forth. Um, so that was a very interesting struggle. So these struggles are ongoing. They happen all the time. Um, both schools, both high schools and even some middle schools are dealing with this, but our corporation policy is very centered on supporting these students' identity. Right. So the bottom line is it's going to take care <coughs> of the student. And So what do you do in a situation where you have a family that's really advocating for kind of the other side? You know, my kid attends school here, and I don't want he or she going into the bathroom with, you know, somebody of the – you know, opposite sex, sure, and, and that's going to be their argument, right? Um, how do you h- handle those parents? Well, we we quite frankly say to them the st- the, the place where the students interact um, is going to be where they're washing their hands, <laughs> okay. because we do have stalls in these restrooms, and th- these students often use the stalls, and so we say there's no issue here, for right? Us. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no evidence that they can point to factual right. evidence that that does any harm to other students, right. and those kind of things. I was just on the bathroom side. I was in <coughs> New York City not so long ago, and I was at the Met, and we went. I uh, went to use the restroom. And um, it's a, kind of the older part of the building. It was downstairs. And it was kind of confusing because it was, you know, they didn't have a sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and male and females were standing online. And it was the first time I've been to, like, gay bars where, okay. I've been to restaurants where they at least had the door with just kind of the unicorn, right? So, But never in a situation where it was a whole community right. and, and people from all over the world. It wasn't just, you know, Americans or whatever. It was people from all over. And it was – I mean, I think, including myself, I got in line, and then I looked and saw a lady in front of me, and I got out of line. <laughs> then I looked, and then I saw a man, so I got back online. And then I went in there, and it was just, everybody was like, I mean, people were like, oh, oh, wow, okay. And it was like, we, we did it. Right, <laughs> it's a brave but new it world. But it yeah. was really interesting yeah. for that. I mean, and I, I think within the museum, there were other options. Right. I, I didn't know, and I didn't care, actually. I just was like, it was like, stop, go, go stop. Are you in the right place? <laughs> oh, my God, I walked into that. Well, it's it's the evolution of a, of right. a society, right? So right. even for us, I mean, I, I have to say, and I tell my, student, my students all the time, I'm pretty with it, okay? So with, with transgender issues or gender uh, you know, gender queer identity and so forth. And yet still, I'm a part of a generation that right. I've, I've had to evolve to, not right. in my support and acceptance by any right. means, but in my language and in mm-hmm. all those kind of things. Right. So no, it, It's definitely a thing. And, I, and no one touched me, and no one looked through the little crack. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody, <laughs> right. I we're it. adults, right? <laughs> I mean, that's like the thing. <laughs> that when we yeah. treat this as adults, right? right. Uh, I mean, was, our perspective has been skewed for a long, long right. time. And right. so we're actually just getting to clarity right. on the reality of gender. Right. Yeah. Great. And is, then there, is there a faculty push to... To be more inclusive, to include pronouns in your, in your... Absolutely. So that's a great question. So we have 14 out transgender students at our school. There mm-hmm. are others who are, are not out. Um, but for the students who are out um, or who are willing to do this, we keep a confidential list, and it goes out to all faculty of those students what their birth name is only for factual information, what their preferred name is. Their preferred name, is, by the way, goes on all rosters, all testing rosters and everything, not their birth name. Um, we uh, talk about where they're out so this, a teacher doesn't make a mistake and call Just home. to interrupt, so can the student do this by themselves, or do they need their parents to sign off if they're going student to? Student by themselves, okay. totally. We're respecting the students. Right. Also, and that's wonderful. Yeah. With that, if the student is not out, mm-hmm. 
are you you don't tell the parents if Co- the parents correct. ask? Correct. In fact, we see that as potentially putting the student in danger. Okay. So um, there is a strong confidentiality and almost all like school counselors, um, school principals and so forth, our ethical uh, legal guidelines are to not out a student at home if they're not out at home. Um, but so we have 14 students. We have a list with all these categories out at home, out with friends, out with, you know, yes, no, yes, no. <laughs> and so it's a lot. And for especially yeah. some teachers who <laughs> resist like this is they, they just, you know, what do you think yeah. the percentages of teachers that actually resist? Especially I, wh- I'm proud of Bloomington High School North. I right. can't speak for South. Right. I'm proud of North. I would say f- fewer than 20 percent of our teachers wow. resist. And and most mm-hmm. of those aren't malicious resistance. Mm-hmm. It's just development it's just understanding right. over time um, so so are you the guy that goes in and explains how this works or do they I might be but what I try to do too it's you know it's like we don't go to a person of color to explain all <laughs> the right, racial least, racial yeah. issues <laughs> in school so right. I try to make sure this uh, we teach the community other teachers are learning and other advocates are there because if we don't spread that out then it becomes Greg's the person right the go-to person and for a long time I felt like I needed to be right but certainly what we're trying to make sure is that all adults in that building take on the advocacy right. and learn that that's their role and that's their responsibility also. Yeah. So yeah. let me ask you, what you mentioned that Trump has rolled back some of these guidelines or yep. directives that were put out in the Obama administration. So what's next? What do what are schools gonna do well, next? It's it, what's you know, with the with the advent of legal gay marriage, right, around the country and so forth, all of these things, by the way, I mean that though, though that's the case, there are still I think twenty seven states where you can be fired for being LGBT LGBTQ. Really? So, yeah, people don't know that. Yeah, like yeah. there are still How many states did you say? Like twenty seven. Seven. So there's gay marriage all around the United States, but you can still be fired for being gay at a lot of, in a lot of states. So the reality is we're catching up in all kinds of areas, but the more that we have legal precedents, the more that we can fight for these kids. So under Trump, a school now, a small community could just say, you know, Obama's directives are done. We don't have to do a darn thing. Mm-hmm. And they do. Um, these cases go to, to, you know, to the court system, and ultimately it will, that's how gay marriage was won. That's how these things will be won, I think, ultimately. Um, but in a community like ours, we, because we have such ground support and such parental support and, le- you know, our politics locally are very supportive, we can push for those things. Um, but school to school, let's say, and this is no disparagement of South, who've done amazing things as well, but for a long time their gender nonconforming bathrooms were labeled family, and it showed like a little family. It felt to students there who were complaining about it that that wasn't really an identity of the bathroom. It was mm-hmm. a safety net for the school. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. That's what it felt yeah. like. Now, right. I can't judge that, but there were then I discussions can. back and forth. <laughs> there were discussions back and forth about that right. is not an accurate right. representation. Yeah, and it's, it's of what educational. And I think people yeah. want to be mean spirited, and I'm hoping, you know, I like to believe that people that work with children um, have their have best a, intentions. Sure. You know, and I think most do. I think in this community, particularly. Yeah, within this community. Um, so, uh, like these students, particularly, we have all this information out there. We have some interesting situations happen with subs who come in for the day, but we try to inform them right away of the reality of. So, is there a packet, or there's some? There's like, hey, kind of an we information. Gotta, we, gotta go. we try to do right. that. We're getting there. Yeah. That's still an issue. Because that could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could see a lot of problems. Oh yeah. Within that. Oh yeah. Um, People say, so, like, oh, we're going to go to North. Uh-oh. What's <laughs> that? We're going to North. We gotta yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's going to meet us at the North. <laughs> there you go. So what, you go. what would you say is like the biggest problem that you're still facing today, even as you've started to implement these changes and, and try to build more of an inclusive community? Um, for me, it's still, and I have to be careful about saying this, for me, it's still um, really making sure administrators are pushing for these policies to mm-hmm. happen, and I and I don't. I'm not saying they're not doing that. I'm just saying that um, 
that has been the area where evolution has been slower for me because in the long run, what happens in the schools is directed by administration and the school mm-hmm. board in the long run. Do you think the momentum has slowed down somewhat because of the new you know, administration in the White House? Or do you think that people become more passionate um, in the students about making sure their voices are heard and their, you know, their needs are met? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you may or may not know this, but last year, which was the first year of the Trump administration, um, our school saw one of the uh, worst national news situations that happened, and that was that we had students marching in our halls with uh, the Confederate flag. Right, that became right. national news, world news, actually. Right. Um, and that happened because of our Gay Pride Day. So I actually started out with Gay Pride, and we had a student sort of wearing one of our, the pride flags as a cape, which he was a fabulous kid. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, he got harassed uh, quite a bit. And then um, these students thought, well, we'll push back. Uh-huh. So they tore, down, uh, they tore down some signs we had up. Uh, they brought their, their Confederate flags. Um, there was taunting. There was, uh-huh. a, um, yeah, there, was a, there was a big situation at the school. Um, that was a great case in point. So there was a perspective from our administrator at the time that the perpetrator of this whole incident was the kid with a rainbow flag. He, he was the cause that was of this. Good. And I was just really? outraged. Oh, I, I walked out of the meeting yeah. um, that, uh. that they were having about that. I was just like, no way. Um, and the, the, the proposition at the time, and this is in Bloomington, Indiana, and this was with an administrator who did a lot of really good things around LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues. The perspective was, but you have your point, but they have their point. And that was truly a, that yeah. sort of Trumpian perspective, yeah, right? Right. Um, no, there is one point here. There are, are marginalized kids who are yeah. not safe at school, who are proud and wanting to show that they're proud of who they are. Right. And there is another group who want to say, no, it's not okay. The kid the rainbow flag isn't, you know, espousing hateful ideas or anything. He's just Absolutely. being who he is. Well, see, but then, exactly. And that's so clear for us, right? right. For right. obvious reasons. But that wasn't clear for this principal, and I have a principal who's the decision maker, and I'm trying to help him understand that perspective when I'm also very frustrated with right. that perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, that's the slow work that it takes to get where we need to go. But Greg, I think um, there was a group of kids that protested against that, right? Yes, amazing group of yeah, kids. Yeah, because that I, I knew some of those kids, they and they just, I'm so proud of them, and I love to see that. They started streaming into my office, getting yeah. on their phones and getting hold of social media yeah. and national media. And <laughs> right, like, exactly. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna be fired. <laughs> 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 Don't take pictures of my room. No, I always have my a room. job here. Oh, thank you. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we want to thank you, Greg, for coming in and talking to us. We look forward to, to you visiting next month, mu- next month, and bringing us more insight on today's LGBTQ youth. Blooming out, friends. Please do not touch that dial. We will take a few minutes to listen to some music. Don't go away.
Welcome back. You were just listening to Trouble by Strawberry Runners off of their album In the Garden in the Night. Um, let's take a look at the community calendar. Catch a screening of the worst movie ever made, The Room at the Buskirk Chumley Theater at 114 East Kirkwood Avenue tonight at 8 p.m. I don't know what that's all about. Sounds fun. Um... On April 20th, we have the LGBT Aging and Caring Network Breakfast at Cloverfield Family Restaurant, and that is at 4023 West 3rd Street. And let's see, on April 20th, catch a show at The Back Door at 9 p.m. featuring Lung, Heaven Honey, Dee Dee, Cat, uh, can't say that word, and Service at The Block House. That's uh, 205 South College Avenue in the alley. Um downstairs from the back door all right uh back to blooming out great our second guest tonight is jesse elkins yay i love jesse hi jesse how are you doing (laughs) good how are you (laughs) good (laughs) so jesse is a prep navigator he has worked in community health and disability care both locally and internationally. That must be Australia. That was. In I'm Sydney. guessing. Yes, it was. Is that in Sydney? It was. Okay, so you've been doing that since 2012, when you were 12. <laughs> and he has recently shifted gears to join the HIV prevention movement with IU Health Bloomington. And Jesse joined the Positive Link Prevention Team in February of 2018 as the prep navigator to help those at risk for HIV access prep or pre-exposure prophylaxis. You got it. Uh, you got it. I, you nailed it. I really want to say prophylactics. Yeah, it's similar. Yeah. It is similar. Uh-huh. And it probably means the same thing. Kind of. Perhaps. <laughs> I'm just thinking that it means prevention. Prevention, yes. Absolutely. Okay. I really do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> here's our OCD host. Right. Yeah, Jesse and the Positive Link Clinic accepts new and existing PrEP patients for PrEP counseling and c- with continued care. Positive Link offers comprehensive health and human services for people living with HIV AIDS and pre- provides HIV prevention and early intervention services. Positive Link Service Region and com- encompasses 23 counties throughout South Central Indiana with their main office centrally located in Bloomington at 333 East Miller Drive. Their hours are every Monday from 12 to 6 and every Friday from 12 to 3. They also have hours at the back door first Thursday of every month from 7 to 10 p.m. and at the LGBTQ Culture Center every Thursday during the school year. And all of those hours are walk-in HIV testing uh, for instant results. And you can check our website. If you just Google Positive Link IU Health, um, you can you can find your... Excellent. And you can make appointments, right? You can, yep. We're super okay. flexible, so just give us a call. Uh, we'll book you in for confidential testing. Awesome. awesome. So we'll just kind of take it, you, let, let you take it over. Yeah, let's talk sense. about prep. Let's talk about prep. Like Justin said, prep stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. Uh, right now, the only FDA-approved drug is Trivada, which is a combination pill of HIV preventative medicine. Um, it's a once-daily pill, so taken daily. We have up to 99% um, effectiveness and protection against HIV. So do you just 
take the pill and that's it or you do other you take, it's, it's, a, it's a big blue pill it's beautiful you take it once <laughs> a, you take it once a day um yeah and it, and it gives you uh, full protection from hiv up to 99 percent uh yeah wow are there yeah. any other prevention strategies absolutely so okay. so with with prep of course we encourage condom use mm-hmm. um so with it that, that's important absolutely too. so so prep isn't isn't foolproof it's 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 a barrier against hiv but of course we encourage condom use uh limiting your sexual partners um discussing get the stds H- yeah of course um so yeah so prep but i think th- there's confusion about that as well as you know Good some point, of the younger people that i talk to right. or even the old people i talk to I don't right know, of course. why are you looking at me and it's <laughs> <laughs> well if i look over right. here at the well infants, yeah well he's 19 don't look at me. okay you can look at me so one misconception is is that prep protects against all STDs when in fact it just protects against HIV. Okay, so that's a misconception. Conception. Yes, absolutely. It just protects against HIV. Correct. So of course we do adherence counseling to condom use, um, limiting your sex partners, um, and for needle drug users, um, we have a needle exchange, so using clean needles and things of that sort as well. Is that something new? Or is that something you guys have done? For there's a, a there's a Bloomington needle exchange. It's, okay. it's not us. Exclusive. You're not part of that. Yeah. I'm sorry mm-hmm. I misunderstood no, that. No, that's okay. So kind of, uh, I guess, the, the history? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Trivada's been around. Trivada, again, is the, is, is the only FDA-approved PrEP pill. Um, it's been around for uh, HIV treatment since the early 2000s, and since 2012 it's been FDA-approved uh, as a preventative measure for HIV. Um, it's prescribed all over the world, um, from Australia, all over the U.S., Korea, South Korea, France, Norway, um, and we're just catching on here in Bloomington. Um, so yeah, it's exciting to, to, to join the force. That's great. And who, who should take prep? So, so generally we say anyone who is sexually active, um, anyone. Yeah. So who could come into, uh, contact with HIV. Um, but people highest at risk are serodiscordant couples. So couples who, where one, one person is HIV positive and the other is negative. Mm -hmm. Uh, we highly encourage prep use. Um, also MSM men who sleep with men. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who engage in injection drug use. Um, yeah, and again, honestly, anyone who is sexually active, if you come into contact with HIV, we, we encourage PrEP use. So when they come in, they mm-hmm. uh, you basically they call you? So it's, it's simple. Now that we have a clinic up and going with, with PositiveLink, um, you just give me a phone call. Uh, you come in and we do an initial. Is it confidential? It is absolutely confidential. So they would call you and then you would call them back or do they? So they would call, yeah, so they would call me and leave a voicemail. Um, and I would, yeah, I would call them back and set up a meeting. They would come to our office. Um, could they email you? They could absolutely email me. How and, would they email you? And I'll, and we can talk about that at the end too. But um, my email is jelkins2 at iuhealth.org. Um, and I'll throw my number down too, which is 812-353-3150. Um, so yeah, you can just give me a call and set up a meeting for a consultation. We'll just talk about why you would like to access PrEP. Uh, make sure you're a candidate for it. Um, and then I'll book you into the clinic to see the nurse, and we'll do a baseline STD testing. Uh, oh. So we test for gonorrhea, syphilis, chlamydia, oh. HIV, um, hepatitis, and we do a renal panel just to make sure everything's functioning properly. Um, and then seven days later, you'll have your test results. Is this a sliding scale at the clinic? or In is terms it, of? As far as pricing? So we accept insured and uninsured, and there's multiple ways to access PrEP. Um, to get over the eight to fourteen thousand dollar barrier, uh, which is Travada. Uh, right. 
Yeah, so eight man, to fourteen thousand dollars. Wild. Do we see this changing at some point? Uh, we hope. Yeah, right. on demand. We right. hope. Yeah, we hope that it. And what about insurance? So, uh, insurance. If you are insured, Gilead, which is a manufacturer for Travada, mm-hmm. they offer a forty-eight hundred dollar coverage for a co- medical copay for mm-hmm. for Travada itself. Um, that copay goes toward your deductible. Um, so it's a wonderful opportunity to meet your deductible as well. <laughs> Um, if you are uninsured, they have a program called Advancing Access, um, which covers your medication in full. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So as far as, um, you know, when, when some, I, I'm just more mm-hmm. kind of interested in, again, that we can kind of just kind of backpedal a little bit about, you know, um, h- how how it came into the, the Positive Link and was there, you know, uh, would you approach or possibly knew that this was something that right. obviously they knew it was important to right. bring it in. Was it uh, through Bloomington Hospital or Positive Link got a grant or was this something? Uh, so Jill Stowers and Emily Brenniger really pushed for PrEP because obviously it's needed in a college town um, where people are sexually active. Right, right. Um, and yeah, so we applied for a series of grants and, and uh, worked with Maytech and ISDH in the state health department um to bring my position on which yeah is so prep. yeah you came is, in at that point yeah mm-hmm. so which is the prep navigator position um dedicated to outreach and education on on prep right so as far as like the outreach that you're doing mm-hmm. with this um how are you letting people know i know you're doing radio shows so uh, <laughs> so i just came on in february so slowly but surely but we're starting right. with physician education to get more providers on board right uh with providing prep because a lot of people don't know about prep um, and aren't comfortable providing something they don't know much right. about. Um, so that'll be step one, is to reach out to providers and get them to help us educate our community. Right. Yeah. And you were talking earlier, you're going mm-hmm. to be doing that soon, right? Yes. Is it a conference that you're going to? Uh, it's not. Th- so the meetings aren't set up yet, but okay. But soon, yes. Okay. Yes, it's in the works. And so <laughs> just presenting to just small groups of physicians mm-hmm. around. Yep. Um, physicians. You physicians hit the 23 eights. counties that you guys um, that positive link covers. So all Southern Indiana physicians okay, right. will will contact and uh, yeah try to get on board. That's exciting. We've already you talked to a few physicians who seem really excited about it or have referred patients to us. Are you getting any pushback from this? People saying you know, from physicians or from just people in, in the general? Community? People just I can't imagine, uh, but yeah. It, you so know, there's there's like with HIV and AIDS, there's a stigma surrounding anything HIV. Um, People will say that it's like a so so. There's a, a hashtag going around Travada whore. Oh really? Have you seen this? No, I haven't. You haven't seen this. There's no. a T-shirt. There's like a big push. Are they um, doing it? Is it because of just <clears throat> it's kind of tongue in cheek and it's something so some some are, but some have actually taken it on uh, a lot in the in the MSM community, um, saying that so you the MS community is MSM is men who sleep with men there. who have sex with men. Um, who who think it's kind of just a slutty thing or um, so this is a, a negative thing it's not tongue-in-cheek i mean that's to, i think what you were asking yeah to yeah. some people i would say it's pretty divided okay. um when in fact it's just an extra measure to protect yourself against contracting hiv mm-hmm. um and i guess maybe the a stigma that of mm-hmm. like filling it at a you know pharmacy um you know when people obviously it's just like any other kind of medications mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. get and hopefully the pharmacist doesn't care one way or another right. but you know getting past that stigma again mm-hmm. of you know it's uh, I'm being safe right. I mean, but you buy condoms right if right. you buy condoms you know right. w- this would totally make more sense right. you know, or not more sense but uh-huh. it would go hand in hand I think I think that's why it's important and 
for some people to be uh, kind of out and proud about their uh-huh. use of Truvada mm-hmm. um, as as t- so telling the community that they're protecting themselves as opposed to I'm, I'm taking Truvada so that I can um, have condomless sex with with everyone. Which right. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more from Jesse Elkins from the Positive Link Prevention Team. Welcome back. We're here with Jesse Elkins from the Positive Link Prevention Team. Jesse, we were talking during the break about kind of the timeline for PrEP. So mm-hmm. uh, let's say I go in to get PrEP. Mm-hmm. You prescribe it to me. Uh, what's next? So so after you have a consult with me and I book you into our clinic mm-hmm. um, or, or the nurse sees you at any of the provider sites, um, all you do is come back every three months uh, for a routine STD check. Um, make sure that you are still HIV negative. Um, and a renal panel, um, and that's it. Every three months is just is the check-in. All right. 
Yep. And how long does that type of thing take? Are we talking like an hour? Uh, 30 minutes, if awesome. that. Yeah, it's a quick lab draw. Um, right. And then you get your results pretty quickly. For us, it's about a week uh, okay. because we send our labs off. Um, mm -hmm. But still, it's pretty quick. And, and in the meantime, you're still on prep. So awesome. there's no break in that. Yeah. Okay. And um, I, I was wondering about side effects. Though. Side effects? Like, yeah. yeah. What are the side effects? So only about 4 to 8% of people who take Travada, the prep mm -hmm. pill, um, report any side effects. Um, and those go from the, just anything uh, that, I mean, that any new medicine would give you. So nausea, upset stomach, um, headaches, diarrhea. Um, and then <coughs> some of the bigger ones that, that the routine checks are for um, are to check bone density um, and your uh, kidney function. Right. Um, the hepatitis is, is one that I thought I read. If, if you are co-infected, then right. yeah, of course, um, mm -hmm. you might have a lower kidney function. Um, but yeah, that's so. So most people don't report side effects, and if they do, they typically go away within 14 days. Um, I've only seen a couple people of the clients I've seen that have experienced side effects. Bad side effects, or just these general just, ones. Just, just general, go it, just general, it just general side effects. Yeah, headache, nausea, upset okay. stomach. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Pretty typical stuff, actually. Yeah. I so, think for just about anything. Yeah. So really, it's all it's very straightforward. Now you were talking about um, the culture of right. prep. Right. right. That's very interesting to me. Can you? Right. Explain more about that. So we were talking about how on Grinder you can say you're on prep. Which Grinder? Grinder is a <laughs> gay dating 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 yes, the gay dating, dating app slash sex slash whatever you, you use it for. <laughs> I'm, I'm pointing to Justin. Justin, do you like use text Grinder? <laughs> I have never been on Grinder. You, you will not find Justin on Grinder. You will not. No. <laughs> scruff. I, I, scruff. I, <laughs> at least they spell scruff correctly. <laughs> so maybe they can't spell. That's right. You're going to talk to you if you can't spell. And it's amazing we were talking about just being selfish with the show about just our relationship that he still talks to me because I can't spell. <laughs> can't spell. <laughs> so back to you, Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there is obviously a stigma associated with HIV, um, AIDS, and, and going on PrEP. Um, like you were saying, uh, you can put on Grinder that you are on PrEP. Um, and a lot of people say that with that option, people tend to lie or say that they're on PrEP they're, when they're, in fact, not on PrEP. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, we encourage the right. conversation. You should always assume, I think, when you hook up or meet somebody or you're going to be intimate for the first time, that they have mm -hmm. everything. And I think it would be <laughs> safe. <laughs> is that your approach? <laughs> That's my approach. <laughs> 25 years ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man who's married and has like 20 kids. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know it all. <laughs> this is where we plug your Instagram. Two days <laughs> 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 right. So yeah, the, the Sigma uh -huh. side. So so yes, I mean, I think, you know, be smart. Uh -huh. you know, and mm -hmm. it's Because somebody plugs that, that's awesome. And we hope that they're there. But assuming, and that's where we talk about using condoms. And Absolutely. that, you know, people think, oh, well, then we can go bareback. Right. Um, and um, you're at risk for a lot of other things still. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So there's gonorrhea, syphilis, which has been going around yeah. a lot more lately. Um, chlamydia. Um, yeah, it's not just HIV. But PrEP does protect against HIV. So which it is, is that right, extra line of, right. of protection. No, I mean, definitely, definitely. Right. But it's just. But you, you should know. still wear your condoms. You should kids. still wear your condoms. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesse. Um, so, as far as. so, And, and then more of the stigma as far as. Uh, have yeah, you so we were talking about the Travada horror. Right, so, right. none of you. Ha you've seen the hashtag? Or I the have not seen the hashtag. So, it's, no. so it's divided. So, like, like the slut word, um, people are reclaiming it as being sex positive, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. But there's also people who think that going on prep is a whorish thing, if you will, when in fact it's just these people protecting themselves from contracting HIV. 
I think that's such an odd notion to um, right. be against that. Right. It's. I don't know. I, it's just kind of boggling my mind. I know that you probably right. don't have any answers. Well, to why I, well, I suppose back to the grinder conversation. I think, in and in, in my experience in the past, I think when people are on prep, they think that they are good to bear back, and that kind of offends other okay. people. Okay. Well, yeah, just say you know, no, put on a condom. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's your choice, people. Consent. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I certainly don't think anybody should be shamed for. Mm-hmm taking this proactive measure Absolutely i mean what's not. what's the the other side of not taking it is that you put yourself at a higher risk right you know, Absolutely. Situation right. especially for men who have sex with men right. injection drug users um. what's as far as the percentage right now mm-hmm. you're seeing in bloomington with hiv mm-hmm. what, what what are our numbers right now i truly couldn't tell you the the infection numbers um it's going up Right in, in Bloomington. Well, just uh, in Indiana. In Indiana, yeah. In southern Indiana, so the Scott County outbreak, uh-huh. of course, right. increased the numbers. But right now, it seems that we're pretty steady from what I'm seeing with Positive Link. Uh-huh. Um, Are you seeing, you know, with the, the 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 large influx of homeless people coming into Bloomington, has that changed in the last, you know, five to maybe ten years? Um, in terms of HIV infection. Yeah, and just well, the, more with the clinic season. This right. Time. Well, well, the thing is. The homeless population doesn't really have access to healthcare, um, and we've tried to we tried to reach out and and do um, outreach testing, um, but I, I would say that it depends on their risk factor and, and what what they're doing. So it's it's if they're using injection drug needles that have been used by people who are HIV positive, then of course they're at higher risk. Do you guys do outreach within the homeless shelters? We do. Or? We actually have a list over there with Justin. Um, oh. That our lovely outreach team typed up. I think Google it was out there. Do I have it? With the testing hours. Oh, with the testing mm-hmm. hours. Yeah, so we yeah. do we do, do a lot of outreach. So we go to Shalom, oh. we go to the um, there we go. jails. Sorry about that. Yeah, we I mean and we cover all the counties. So we go through North Vernon, Seymour, Lawrence County Health Department. We go all over the place. Um, yeah. But I did want to talk about um, U equals U, the movement. Do you need to take a break? Well, no, we have about one minute left. Oh, great. One minute. Quick minute. U equals U movement is uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. So if you are HIV positive and your viral load is undetectable, virtually uh, there's no chance of transmitting HIV, which I think is important for the community to know, particularly surrounding the stigma of, of being HIV positive. Well, thank you, um, and we're out of time. Before we go, let's take a few moments to thank our lovely guest, Jesse Elkins from Positive Link. And there's so much information that we could cover, so we hope that you can come back uh, maybe next month or, you know, and, and, and plug us in on some of the other things that are going on. Absolutely. Um, I'd like to thank, put a thanks out there to all of our listeners and volunteers that make uh, this possible. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Pressloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Kevin Mosenzade. And this is Frankie Preslap from Blooming Out. It's family wishing you a good evening. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. 
You can hear this and other programs online at WFHP.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to bloomingout at WFHB.org. That is bloomingout at WFHB.org. And thank you for listening. I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. Gotta stand up and I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about. And what about being a girl? Well, how could I mind it? And what about being queer? Well, I really